When wishes were horses and beggars could ride, in a stone castle by the sea there lived a rich land. How am I supposed to choose? There are so many. And so he left the trail, and he followed the sound of the music. I am the goat from the hills and the mountains. And when I have finished eating these herbs and these vegetables, then I shall eat you, too. Once upon a time, and welcome to the Story Story Podcast. I am your host, Simon Brooks, and I have some stories for you. This is a podcast to hear traditional stories told by some of the best storytellers in the world. It will take you to long ago and far away, and bring you back safely. I got up early, dressed, grabbed my dog Mo, and we headed out. The sun had barely risen when we hit the trail. There was a bite to the air, a crispness, but not so cold as to freeze the dew that lay on the grass. And there was dampness to the air too, but there were no mosquitoes, so we were both happy about that. Mo bounced and bounded after chipmunks and squirrels. They chattered their chidings, no glad tidings for us that morning. I smiled as I watched Mo hopelessly chasing the creatures, and then to see her stop and look around, confused, searching for the squirrel which had leapt up the back of a tree hidden away from Mo's sightline. We were the first ones in the woods. How did I know that? There were cobwebs everywhere and strands of spider silk across the paths we walked. A few wore dew, and those I was able to dodge and duck, but most hid themselves very well and I ended up feeling them wrapped around my bare arms or they got caught in my face and beard. It seemed the rest of the world outside the woods that Monday morning were still asleep this long weekend. There were no planes flying through the sky. Only birds were flying right now, singing their songs as they went about their woods. There was no distant soft rumble of traffic heard in the far, far away. Just the gentle rumble of a nearby stream we could hear, but not yet see. But the path, however, seemed to be taking us in the direction of the sound of the water. We reached the stream after a few more minutes walking. It seemed there were fewer webs here, and the path then suddenly veered away from the stream and up an incline. But there was a reward. There was a waterfall we could see, and it seemed the path was leading us to the top of it. Sure enough, the trail took us back towards the stream and we found ourselves staring down from the top of a 30-foot fall. It was breathtakingly beautiful. Mo's ears pricked up and off she ran ahead of me, tearing up the trail. I half ran after her, noticing the light coming through the leaves was green. It was as if we had entered this enchanted place. I came around a corner, and there was Mo, leaping up at a tree. It sounded like there were half a dozen squirrels shouting at her to leave. Rachel Harrington is a storyteller who does great work. This story, Can't Trade Love, is one I hope you too will like. Let's settle in and listen with Ms. Harrington. Once upon a time... There was a husband and wife who lived on a pretty little farm at the edge of the woods. The husband's name was Goodbrand, and the wife's name was Ingrid, and they had been married a long time and loved each other very much. One day, Ingrid said to Goodbrand, 
My dearest darling do, I think we ought to take one of our cows into town and sell it so we can have some money saved up for a rainy day. And Gudbrand looked at Ingrid and said, My smushy, mushy, wushy, I think you've got the right idea. So he set off right away towards town with one of their cows. And when he got there, he found that everything was very busy and bustling. He tried all day long to sell the cow, but the crowded market streets were so full and loud that no one took notice of him. At the end of the day, he still had a cow. Well, well, never mind, said Gudbrand. I'll just head home with my cow. At least the road is no farther out than it is in. So he took his cow and began walking back home, whistling a tune that he had made up. He was just getting to the fun part of the melody when he met a woman on the road who had a horse to sell. Gudbrand remembered that Ingrid had always wanted a horse, so he swapped with the woman, who it turns out needed a milking cow. A little farther on, Gudbrand met a man walking along, driving a pig in front of him, and Gudbrand thought about the delicious meals he and Ingrid could enjoy together at their little table, oh, staring into each other's eyes, oh, if they had some nice, thick bacon. And so he traded the horse for the pig. After that, he went a little further and came across a man with a goat. Oh, thought Gudbrand. Oh, my wife loves goat cheese. It would be better to have a goat than a pig. And so he swapped the pig for the goat. Then he went on for a little while until he met a shepherdess who was walking with one of her sheep. Gudbrand looked at that sheep and thought of the nice, cozy blanket that could be made from the sheep's wool. And he thought of snuggling with Ingrid with that blanket wrapped around them. And so he decided it would be better to have a sheep than a goat. So he traded the goat for the sheep. After some more time walking, Gudbrand met a man on the road who was carrying a goose. Gudbrand thought of how nice it would be to walk hand in hand with Ingrid underneath the shiny moon down to their little pond to feed the goose. And so he decided to trade the sheep for the goose. By now, Gudbrand had been walking for a long time, but he still wasn't home, and he came across an old woman with a rooster. He remembered that Ingrid's New Year's resolution was to get a good morning routine going. So Gudbrand thought to himself that it was a good idea to have a rooster instead of a goose. So he swapped the goose for the rooster. And then he kept walking. But by this time, the day was moving on towards dinner time, and Gudbrand was getting very hungry. So he stopped at a farm and sold the rooster for a dollar. Then he went to the little farm stand, and with that dollar, he bought himself some food. And he ate it up, and it was delicious. Now that Gudbrand had a full stomach, he felt like he could make it home. And so he kept on walking until evening. And just as the sun sank behind the trees, he reached his own little home. Ingrid met him at the door, 
and when she saw that he was empty-handed, she said, "'Well, hello there, dearest darling do. I see you've sold the cow.' "'Well, not quite,' said Goodbrand. "'You see, I traded the cow for a horse.' Oh, a horse! Well, isn't that grand? I've always wanted a horse. Go out and put the horse up in the barn. Well, you see, I traded the horse for a pig. A pig? Why, now we can have delicious meals together at our little table. How nice will that be? Well, you see, I traded the pig for a goat. A goat? That's lovely news. Now I will always have my favorite goat cheese at the ready. Well, you see, I traded the goat for a sheep. A sheep? That's beautiful. Just think of all the good snuggling we'll do with a nice wool blanket wrapped around us. Well, you see, I traded the sheep for a goose. A goose? Why, that's exactly what our little pond is missing. Oh, how perfect. Now we can take moonlit walks down to the pond to feed the goose. Well, you see, I traded the goose for a rooster. A rooster? I've been wanting to wake up earlier, you know, get my day going. Now I'll be able to do that. Well, you see, I traded the rooster for a dollar. A dollar? Why, that makes us a dollar richer today than we were yesterday. Well, you see, I bought some food with the dollar, and I ate it all up, and it was delicious. You ate it up? Well, look at that. The food sustained you and brought you back to me healthy and safe. That's really the greatest prize I could ever ask for. Come in, dearest darling, do. We'll get nice and cozy, and I'll toast up some bread for dinner, and we can dream of the day that we'll be feasting on bacon and goat cheese. And so Ingrid and Gudbrand went into their little house, and they lived happily ever after. The End Sometimes we find ourselves in a bit of a bind, in a bit of a bother, but rarely do we find ourselves in a boot. Unless, that is, you need daycare. This week's sponsor is Old Woman in a Shoe Daycare Services. Got caught out with the latest pandemic or plague? Suddenly need to dump your children somewhere safe? Then take your precious ones to the Old Woman in a Shoe Daycare Services. She is Mother Hubbard's certified and provides healthy meals to make sure your children lack nothing. Don't delay bailing the hay. Let the old woman daycare services bail you out. Evening services available, but not at the day rate. Please call 989 Long Laces now. We need to give a shout out to our new patrons. 
Jen, Porter and Alden. Yay! Big shout out! This episode is brought to you by them. And being a supporter, Jen, Porter and Alden have the magic ability to make a strong cup of tea by clicking their heels three times and breathing in backwards whilst thinking tea, tea, a strong cupper for me. They are also generous supporters of storytelling and the arts, which is pretty cool. A big thank you to them and all the other patrons of the podcast. Become a patron for as little as $4 a month while getting some sweet perks and rewards and... See if you get a unique fairy tale talent for being a patron. Patrons receive an extra story each week, get a peek behind the scenes, postcards from the podcast throughout the year, and chances to chat with Rachel Ann Harding live. Your generous support allows this podcast to reach bigger audiences and to grow. To join the story supporters, go to Story Story Podcast for more information. And if you want to hear us make up fairy tale facts about you and thank you for an episode, then become a supporter now and help this podcast keep going. We walked some more and I took photos of mushrooms and fallen trees, leaves blushing with the approach of autumn. Then it was time to head back. We turned about and made our way back the way we had come. The sun was rising higher, the air a little warmer. The spiders must have been really annoyed at us as they appeared to have rebuilt the webs and the thread between the trees again. I tried to spot them this time and those I saw I dodged and ducked beneath. Sometimes I even stepped off the path. Geese honked overhead can't be flying south already, can they? Then I heard another sound, a soft, shuffling sound like a step, but also not really like a step. Mo had once again bounded off before me down the trail, no doubt eager for her treat once back at the car, so it wasn't her. I kept walking, but listened carefully. I slowed my pace a little and spun around on one foot. I saw the shape of a woman vanish behind a tree. She was dressed, I thought, in a long gown, a dress, but something you might see in history books about Rome or Greece, not on the trail. I turned back and continued walking, listening carefully. The soft sound followed me again. The path took a turn and I found myself walking through three mouthfuls of spider webs, and then I ducked behind a large rock, dropping to the ground on my belly. I peered from my hiding place, listening to the sound of this person approaching. And there she was. This woman was beautiful, but not in a fashion magazine way, no. There was no fancy hairdo, no makeup, no fashion-conscious clothing. Just her, her face, which was striking. The dress, that cotton gown, floated about her as if it were dancing with her. Her six arms and slender fingers began to fix the cobwebs I had just wrecked. And then she froze, looked down and saw me. A thread shot from her to the nearest tree, a great oak, and it pulled her up into the lower branches. But as she did, she turned into a spider. Had I just seen Arachne? Milbury Birch is a powerful teller and a good friend of mine. Her work is quite often linked to healing and support, and her traditional folk and fairy tales reflect the work she does. 
This week, Milbury is telling the story of three soldiers returning home. Enjoy. Three soldiers were returning home after a war. They had won nothing at all for themselves and little enough for their leaders. But they had come from the same village and they had fought in every skirmish together and so they were like brothers. Their pockets were empty, but their hearts were full of the desire to reach the homes of their old parents and to be among the villagers, neighbors, and friends they had left behind. But the landscape they walked through was rocky and sere, and so they had to be careful traveling through those mountain passes. As they came to the last pass before the valley where their village lay, night fell upon them, and they knew that they must stop and rest there till the sun rose again. The three men took turns watching by the firelight so that they would not be overtaken by any animals or thieves that came by that way. It was deep in the night when Feroz took his turn at the watch. His companions slept. He had no food but one last little packet of tea and so he boiled the last of his water and set the tea in it and then he turned, for he heard the footstep of someone coming out of the darkness. When he came close to the fire, it was clear that the traveler was an old dervish, a traveling holy man. Come, holy one, said Feroz, sit down beside me here by the fire and warm yourself. And then Feroz offered to him the little bit of tea that he had brewed, and the old man drank it. Thankfully, he asked Feroz why he and his companions were there in that mountain pass. And Feroz explained that they were coming home from the war to the parents who had said goodbye to them so long ago. He explained that they had nothing to bring home to their parents and that he feared that they would be a burden to the old ones. The old man said, I will give you something. And he opened his own traveling bag, and he took out a cotton shawl, the kind that is worn over the shoulders of a man in that place. He put it on Feroz's shoulders, and he said, This is a magic wishing shawl. You may tell your friends about it, but do not tell a woman. And then he got up, and he walked back into the shadows of the night. Feroz sat there with the shawl upon his shoulders, wondering if this could be true. When he finally got the courage to try, he wished for pockets full of gold, and clink, 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 there they were. He awakened his friends, and they sat up. He told the story, and they said, Feroz, wish for us, and he did. Clink, clink, clink. Now they had pockets full of gold, and since he shared everything with them, they had no reason to envy him. But now they agreed that they would go on their journey in a different direction. For the first time in their lives, they had money. They wanted to go to the city and see what might be there, and then they would go home with treasures for their old parents. And so the young men made their way into the city, and oh, the sights they saw and the fine foods they tasted and the fine clothes they purchased with the money in their pockets. 
Then they decided that they would wish themselves a manor house on the edge of the city and wish themselves a stable full of fine horses with grooms to look after them and servants for the house until they grew bored. And they said, we must go home soon, but first let us go on one adventure. For they had heard of a princess in a distant kingdom who had eyes that glittered like jewels, and this they wanted to see for themselves. And so they set out in their fine clothes on their fine horses with the saddlebags filled with jewels and gold. And they rode the distant to that other kingdom, and they came to that palace. Looking out the window, the king saw what looked like three princes coming toward him, laden with a treasure. And the princess, watching from her own window, saw them too. She put her veil across her face and went to join her father there in the hall where he welcomed travelers. The three young men came, and they laid their treasure at the foot of the king. And after that, he welcomed them. And he had a feast made that night, roasted camels stuffed with roasted sheep, stuffed with roasted peacocks, stuffed with herbs. And every time they wanted anything, Feroz would reach into his pockets, and there was always gold there. And the princess saw this with her sparkling eyes. Days passed as they stayed on as guests to the king. And there never came a day when Feroz did not have money in his pockets. And so at last, on the final day of their visit, the princess stood next to him and said, Feroz, can you tell me how it is that you have riches with no end? And he looked into those jeweled, sparkling eyes. And he said, I have a magic wishing shawl. Is it true, she said. Would it work for me? He said, I'm sure that it would. Can you wish me something? Golden bracelets. And he wished her a golden bracelet. And there it appeared on her arm. And she said, this is good. And then she made her way to her own apartments. And she had a loom brought. And she threaded it with cotton thread. And she began to weave a simple cotton garment, the kind the men of those places wear about their shoulders. And that night when Feroz and his friends had gone to sleep, she tiptoed into their apartments and she exchanged the one shawl for the other. And the next morning was so filled with fond goodbyes that Feroz had no need to use the shawl. It was not until they'd ridden away from that palace and were on the road that he needed more gold and he wished for it. And nothing happened. I told her, I told her, and she stole the shawl from me, he said to his friends. I am going back. I will go into the princess's apartments, and I will steal the shawl back. And his friends said, if that is your plan, we will let you go on your own. And so he did. He turned and rode back toward the palace when an old dervish stepped into the road. For Rose, he said, tell me how things have gone for you. And Feroz explained how he had foolishly lost the wishing shawl and how he was going back to make his way into the princess's apartments and take it back himself. And the old man said, Feroz, if you are found in the apartments of the princess, you will be killed. Do this instead. 
he reached into his bag and he took out a battered trumpet. He said, this is the enchanted trumpet of Iskandar. If you blow it once, an army will appear on either side of you, armed to the teeth and ready to do battle for you. When the battle is done, blow again on that trumpet and they will disappear till you need them next. Thank you, said Feroz. And he took up the trumpet. He rode back to where his friends still stood in the road. He said, look, it is the enchanted trumpet of Iskandar. We now can go as men of war. And his friends said, if that is true, this time we will go with you. And so they rode up with him till they reached the walls that surrounded that palace. Feroz dismounted from his horse. He lifted the trumpet to his lips. He blew traha, and an army appeared on either side of him, armed to the teeth and ready to do his bidding. The king, looking out the window, was surprised at this kind of return. Out in the courtyard, Feroz called. The princess has stolen something from me. If she brings it to me by dawn, I will leave in peace. If she does not, my army will attack you to win it back again. The king turned to his daughter. He said, do you know anything about this? She said, yes, father. It is good that he gives us until dawn, for I think I can use the night to win you some magic. Did you see that trumpet, father? I think it is the enchanted trumpet of Iskandar. Give me just this night. And so it was agreed that in the morning the exchange would be made. But meanwhile, the princess dressed herself as a servant girl. She took a basket full of fruit and went out of the palace beyond the wall and out among the men of the army. Now, they may have been magic, but they were hungry. And so she gave the fruit away and made her way deeper and deeper into Feroz's camp. It was after midnight by the time she came to the place where he had erected a tent. She saw him sleeping just beyond the tent flap, and at his side the enchanted trumpet of Iskandar. She hid it beneath the fruit in her basket and made her way quickly back into the palace. And in the morning, just as dawn was breaking, she stood in the window and pressed the trumpet to her lips and blew, Traha! And the army disappeared from the field. And then she blew again, Traha! and the army appeared a second time. But this time it was within the palace walls, armed to the teeth and ready to fight to the death for the princess. Feroz and his friends were not fools. They turned and they ran for their lives. And as they traveled down that long road, back toward their home village. Their horses disappeared. Their fine clothes disappeared. Their treasure was gone, for the magic no longer belonged to them. And they knew it was time to go home. And so they traveled through the mountain passes till sunset overtook them once again in the last pass before the valley of their village. They made camp, they lit a fire, and they took turns watching before it. Feroz sat up deep in the night, and he was not surprised when the old dervish stepped out of the shadows 
and sat beside him. Tell me, my son, said the old one, what has happened since I last saw you? And the young man explained how he had lost the trumpet as well as the shawl. Now you see, my son, said the Holy One, treasure can be given or taken away. Power can also be given and lost. Now I will give you one more gift. If you use it well, it will keep you and yours till the end of your days. Reaching in his bag, he pulled out a small saddlebag embroidered all over with red threads. He handed it to Feroz and said, In this bag there is food enough for one day. Take what you need and close it up, and there will be food in it again tomorrow. Use it wisely. Use it well, my son. And then the dervish got up and left Feroz and was gone into the night, never to be seen again. Feroz sat watching the fire until dawn. He opened the bag and he took out just the food he needed. When his companions awoke, he fed them with food from the bag. And they got up and walked down into the valley till they came to the village that was their home. A famine had fallen on that place. Many of the villagers had died. Everyone was hungry and weak. When Feroz entered the home of his parents, they could not even stand up to greet him, but with the food in the bag, he nursed them back to health. With the food in the bag, he nursed the village back to health. With enough food, you can nurse a country back to health. He used that gift wisely. He used it well, and it kept him and his people till the end of their days. A folktale from Afghanistan. Thank you for listening to the Story Story Podcast. Show the love, find Rachel and Milbury online and tell them you heard them on the podcast. And now, want to hear them tell more stories? We're still in strange times for performing artists, but the opportunities to connect with the magic of live virtual storytelling are abundant. Go find your favourite storytellers from the podcast and discover what they can bring to your home. Did you know that you can connect with the podcast and see fairy tale sponsor ads on Facebook or Instagram at Story Story Podcast? Or you can connect with me at Simon M. Brooks on Instagram and also check out hashtag In the Woods with Mo and on Facebook and my website at Simon Brooks Storyteller. Diamond Scree? Yep, that's me. While you're there, let us know your favorite story that you have heard or the favorite stories of your childhood. Who knows, maybe you will hear them here soon. The inspiration for the fairy tale sponsor came from Rachel Ann Harding herself. The inspiration for the true fairy tale came from a recent walk in the woods with Mo. The music is by Poddington Bear. This podcast is made possible by patrons like you. 
Consider becoming a patron or joining the mailing list to get podcast goodies or write a review on Apple Podcasts. This helps other story lovers find and enjoy the show. You'll hear more stories next week, but until then, live happily ever after. Mary-Kate opened up the door and there on the doorstep wrapped in his own blanket was her baby. And to this day, Anansi spins webs so that he can catch the flea, the fly, and the moth that got away. If you go down to the lake on a clear day when the water lies as calm as a sheet of glass, you can still see the rooftops of the castle glittering in the sunlight. And if you listen really closely, you can even hear the festive music from the royal court. She is Mother Hubbard certificate.